Okay, good evening everybody. If you'd like to uh, take a seat and we'll, we'll make a start to our Passover evening. So uh, thanks all for, for coming out on this lovely sunny evening to join us. Can you all hear me all right? Yeah, you can all hear me. Good, right. So what we did, what we've done traditionally is we followed the Passover quite strictly as the way that the Jewish people do. Um, but sometimes a few uh, Christians are like, why are we doing this? I'm not Jewish. So I thought we would uh, change things around a little bit this year. And I'm just going to do like a little talk to so right back to the original Passover meal. So we understand what it is that we're doing and what it leads to. And then Tracy's going to lead us in communion. And then we can eat and uh, enjoy one another's company and stuff tonight. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yep. Okay, right. So I'm just going to do the talking bit, but I'm just going to uh, give the evening over to the Lord first. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we are here uh, to celebrate, Lord, the Passover meal and to celebrate, Lord, that you are the Passover lamb, Lord Jesus, that through your blood, the angel of destruction passes over us, Lord God, and uh, the judgment of God passes over us. And we thank you, Lord, that through the blood of the lamb, Lord Jesus, we have eternal life and resurrection life. And we just give you all the praise and all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to use this text here. This is from Exodus 12. This is where the Passover is first mentioned. I'm just going to read it to you and I'm going to break some things down for you because there are things in, the, in, these chap, in this chapter here that will blow your mind. Okay, it's, Everything is there. All of it. It's just there. It's amazing. So, so uh, are you all sitting comfortably? Yeah, are you sure, Kate? Yeah, yeah, she's got, a, yeah, she's got, a, got an eye on me there. All right, so it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt and said this, This month is to be the beginning of all months, the first month of your year. Speak to the whole community of Israel and say to them, On the tenth day of this month, let each family take a lamb, a lamb for each household. And if the family is too small for a lamb, they must join with a neighbour, the nearest to the house according to the number of persons and to what each one can eat. You will select a perfect lamb without blemish, a male born during the present year, taken from the sheep or goats. Then you'll keep it until the 14th day of the month. Between evening and morning, the whole congregation of the community of Israel will slaughter their lambs and take some of the blood to put on the two doorposts and on top of the door frames of the houses where you eat. That night you will eat the flesh roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs and do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water but roasted entirely over the fire, the head, the legs and the inner parts. Do not leave any of it until the morning and if any is left uh, till morning, burn it in the fire. Um, oh yeah, and, and this is how you will eat with a belt round your waist. Anyone got a belt on tonight? Yep, yep good. Sandals on your feet not warm enough yet and a staff in your hands you shall eat hastily for it is a Passover in honor of the Lord and on that night I shall pass through the land of Egypt and strike every firstborn in Egypt both men and animals and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt I am the Lord and the blood will be a sign on the houses where you live I will see the blood and pass over you and you will escape the mortal plague when I strike the land of Egypt this is a day you are to honor to remember and to celebrate and honour the Lord with it. It is to be kept as a festival day for all generations as an everlasting ordinance. So there's quite a lot in there, but what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to take uh, sort of key elements of that passage out 
and then push it forward to Israel and to Jesus and then to us as well, because it's quite amazing when you start looking at this. So verse five, uh, I'm just going to look at these, these key verses. Verse five, which it says, you shall select a perfect lamb without blemish. Verse six, between evening and morning, you'll slaughter the lamb. Verse eight, that night you will eat the flesh. Verse eight, the second half, eat the lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Verse 13, the blood will be a sign. And verse 14, this is a day you are to remember forever. Okay, so firstly, we need to start looking at some of the typology here. Right? Typology and shadows is what we're seeing something in the Old Testament that is a kind of an outline of the reality which comes later in Jesus. You're with me so far? Okay, right. I'm sure a lot of you know this anyway. So, for example, Israel, as you know, was in the land of Egypt. Egypt was a land of slavery, it was a land of bondage, and Israel, no matter how hard they wanted to, no matter how much they were, well, they just couldn't. They, they might have wanted to be set free as slaves, but they were slaves and there was nothing they could do about it. They were beholden to their taskmasters and to the rule of Pharaoh. Okay, So they were in bondage and there was no escape from the land of bondage. They needed a, a deliverer to get them out of the land of bondage. And so God delivered them by judging their enemies, but Israel had to be covered by the blood of the Lamb, lest they get caught up in the same judgments. Okay, so this is quite interesting as well. So without the blood, they could not be saved. So if they didn't have the blood, they would be destroyed. So the blood is what saved Israel, so to speak. And after they applied the blood with the hyssop, and they ate the flesh of the Lamb, okay, the old ears ring there, ate the flesh of the lamb, then they were saved from the destroying angel. Uh, and so they applied through their obedience by applying that, that, that blood to the door lintels and by eating the lamb and by, by believing by faith that if they ate the lamb and they applied the blood, that they would be saved and that God was going to do something dramatic that night. They was going to defeat their enemies and get them out of the land of, of Egypt into their own free land. And of course, we know Israel then, after they did get out of Egypt, what was the next venture point? The Red Sea. Thank you, she hasn't been primed for this. The Red Sea. Now, the Red Sea, like a woman in labour, the waters broke. Okay, this is really important that you see this picture here. The, the waters broke and Israel went through kind of like a birth canal through the Red Sea. And then Israel was born again as a nation. Okay, and so they were baptized in type into the spirit and into the water. And you go, where are you getting that from? Well, it says in 1 Corinthians 10:2, they, Israel, all underwent the baptism of the cloud, i.e., the baptism of the spirit, and of the sea, which is water, to become the people of Moses. All right, so again, we see Israel shadowing what we take for granted every day of our lives. Amen. So and let's also remember that Moses himself was a type of Christ. He was a saviour, he was a prophet. Through him, God instituted a sacrificial system that would atone for people's sins, etc., etc. So I'm sure you, you know all this. So through this then, and entering into a covenant with God, and then God gave them the Torah, then they could access into the ultimate goal, which was the promised land. Okay, and I'm sure some of you are like, oh, I'm starting to get this now. Okay, so back to Exodus 12. So verse 5 says, you will select a perfect lamb without blemish, a male born during the present year taken from the sheep and the goats, all the goats, sorry. And we all know this famous scripture in John 1.29, it says, this is John the Baptist, it says, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, 
the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Revelation 13, 8 says that Jesus is the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, okay? Then we get to verse 6b, a second half, and it says, between evening and morning, you will slaughter the lambs, night being sort of twilight. Now, this is really important because in the, uh, the sacrificial system, there were several key points during the day. You had nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, three o'clock, okay? So at nine o'clock, you had the incense that would be rising up. At 12 o'clock, the lamb would be uh, tied to the altar, and at three o'clock, it would be slain. So Jesus Christ was handed over to be crucified at nine o'clock in the morning. He was tied to the cross at 12, and he was crucified and died at three o'clock in the afternoon. But we got a problem because the Passover lamb must only be uh, sacrificed when it's dark. So does anyone know what's coming next? Matthew 27, verses 45, 46. From the sixth hour, i.e. noon, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, i.e. 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So again, you just see there how the type is being fulfilled. So that the fact that the lamb had to be sacrificed at night or in darkness is exactly what happened when Jesus, the Lamb of God, was hanging on the cross. And that was one of the reasons why God made it dark, because it has to fulfill the shadow and the type. And the shadow and the type must fulfill the reality which is to come. Amen? Are you all with me so far? Yeah. You're all right. <laughs> then verse 8 says, That night you will eat the flesh. Now here, this is really amazing, the Israelites literally ate the flesh of the redeeming Lamb. And this was important because this is a prototype of a covenant meal that we're going to share tonight. And so by applying the blood and eating the flesh of the lamb, as I said before, Israel will literally save from destruction. John 6:54. whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise them up on the last day. John 6:56. whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Okay, so the flesh now we know is represented by the blood and the wine represents the sorry the bread represents the flesh because Jesus is the bread of heaven as well which is also from John 6 any Welsh here please don't start singing okay and and obviously the wine now represents the blood uh, so this Luke 22:19, Jesus took the bread and after giving thanks he broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you and then in Luke 22 verse 20 it says this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you all right so now verse 8 says from that Exodus 12 passage eat the lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs now I thought we'd have one here tonight but we haven't but there are normally on a, on a Passover you have a cedar plate Anyone see one of those? Okay. And so there's normally six things, or well, it varies depending on what tradition you're from, but generally there are six things on this cedar plate. So you have a maror, and this is like a bitter herbs, and this is supposed to represent the bitterness of life when they were in slavery in Egypt. Then we have, the second thing is another bitter herb called chasaret, and then you have another thing called chasaret, with different spelling, which is chopped apples with wine and cinnamon. And this was supposed to represent the mortar that they had to make for the storehouses for the Egyptians when they were in the land of bondage. Okay? Then we have kapas, and this is basically a bit of parsley, and that's dipped in salt water, and you're supposed to eat it. And the salt water represents the tears of the Israelites in the Passover. Then we have the zoroah, 
And this is the lamb shank bone, which obviously represents the lamb. We all know who the lamb is, right? Jesus, okay? All the guys at Sunday school, they got it. Uh, and then the last piece is a bietza, which is often eaten with salt water, which is a hard-boiled egg, which represents life and new life, okay? Now, now, this is interesting because here we see the suffering of God's people. But we know from Isaiah, it talks about the suffering servant. Now, if you read the scriptures of the suffering servant carefully, you will know that it's talking about two types of people. It's talking about Israel, but every now and then it flips into, the, into from the us to the singular, which is obviously about Jesus, because Jesus is the suffering servant. So this whole cedar plate, I would say, is not just about Israel, but is about Jesus himself, because of the, he was a man, well, it says here, Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 5, he was despised, rejected by all, a man of sorrows and familiar with grief, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we considered him of no account. Yet ours were the infirmity, infirmities he bore, ours were the sufferings he endured. And although we considered him as one punished by God, smitten and afflicted, and he was wounded for our sins, he was crushed for our wickedness, and the punishment that made us whole fell on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So the cedar plate, which is often at the, uh, on the Passover meal, Personally, I think he's all about Jesus being the suffering servant, not just Israel. Then verse 13 says, The blood will be a sign and I will see the blood and pass over you. Okay, so again, the importance of the blood for us as Christians. Romans 5.9 says, Much more then, having now been justified, that's made righteous with God, by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. So the blood of the lamb now applied to our life saves us from the wrath of God. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. All right? And so because of the blood, God's sentence of judgment is remitted from us. So it means we get to walk free, okay? which is exciting. Amen. We are free. We are saved. We're made righteous. Now, then verse 14, it says, This is a day you are to remember and celebrate in honour of the Lord. It is to be kept as a festival for all generations. Now here, you can see I've got four cups. And this is quite important to the Passover meal because these four cups represent something that comes from Genesis, sorry, Exodus 6, verses 6 to 7, which says, I will bring you out, I will deliver you, I'll redeem you, and I will take you. So each of these cups represents something. So the first cup it is the cup of sanctification. This is how the Jews call it, okay? The cup of sanctification, which says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So when you got born again, you were sanctified, made holy, you were separated and redeemed out of the land of bondage and slavery to sin, amen? Then you have the cup of deliverance, which is God's promise to rescue them from their bondage. So when you become a Christian, not only do you get saved out of the land of Egypt, but Jesus has given uh, to the church through the power of the blood, the power to set us free from addiction, the power to set us free from sins and, uh, and from sickness, mental sickness and sickness of the soul and the spirit and physical healing as well. And then you get the cup of redemption. This is the third cup. 
which where it says, I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm. Now the last cup, which is, this is interesting, it's called the cup of praise, and it says, I will take you as my people. Now this is an interesting cup. So I'm just gonna go through these quickly now. So Messiah sanctifies us, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by my truth, John 17, 19. The Messiah delivers us, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, John 8, 32. The Messiah redeems us, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the Torah, to redeem those who were under the Torah, so that we might receive the adoptions as sons, and then the cup of praise, Messiah is our joy. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. But what's also interesting in this third cup, uh, which I guess is this one here, okay? This is the cup where Jesus made the new covenant with us. He didn't make the new covenant with the last cup, it's the third cup. Because uh, this cup is also known, I believe, as the cup of Elijah. And so Jesus won't drink of that, that cup until, as it says in Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I'll not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day that I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And that's when, that's the last bit where it's God promises that he will take us as his people. And that inaugurates then the wedding feast of the Lamb, which is Revelation chapter 19, not Revelation 4, which people keep putting it. In Revelation chapter 19, it's at the end. Uh, and there we have this wonderful, great big wedding feast with the Lamb, and uh, it's gonna be brilliant. And that's why in the next age, there's no need for marriage anymore, because marriage is a prototype and a shadow of Christ in his church. And when Christ finally comes, you won't need to have marriage anymore because the actual reality is here now through Christ, and you'll be living in such ecstasy by being one with God that you won't require a spouse anymore. Going quiet then, I thought, I thought someone would shout out hallelujah. No. <laughs> Good job you didn't. <laughs> hallelujah. But it's, it's this third cup that, that Jesus made a, made a new covenant with us. And this is really important because this fulfills Jeremiah 31 to 34. I'm nearly done now. And it says, the days are coming, declared the Lord, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the, and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I'll make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my Torah in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And then the final part of the Passover is you have uh, matzah, which is unleavened bread. Now I'm sure you all appreciate that Jesus, leaven is symbolic of sin. And so Jesus is, has no leaven in him, he has no sin in him. So the bread was unleavened, so it represented uh, a pure spotless lamb and also the pure sinless one as well. And also matzah bread, I don't know if you've ever looked at it closely, it has little holes in it. These are piercings because again, Jesus who is the bread from heaven was pierced. Uh, and crushed for our iniquities and stuff. Hallelujah. And that basically is what, what, what the cedar is, and that's how we've come to what we call communion or the Eucharist. So 
We are drinking tonight of this third cup, but in anticipation that we're going to drink the fourth cup when the wedding feast of the Lamb comes about when Jesus returns. Hallelujah. So that's what we've got to look forward to. So in the meantime, we commemorate his death. And in the meantime, when we take this wine and we take this and take this bread and this wine, we are having a covenant meal with our God. And like the early Israelis, they were feasting on the lamb. And, and as we take of this, we feast on the goodness of the lamb of God and for what he's done for us on the cross. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.